Welcome, listeners, to the 17th episode of the Ubered Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Kale. For four years, I was a full-time Uber and Lyft driver in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I get more than 8,000 rides in that time period, and I wrote two books on the subject. Ubered, My Life as a Rideshare Driver, and the sequel, Ubered 2, both available on Amazon and if you live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area at the Hennepin County Library. Before we dive into the episode, listeners, I'm going to remind you, please rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, iTunes, Stitcher, Google, what have you. The ratings mean a lot to me and they really help. And also, if you are enjoying this podcast, please share it on social media. Tell people about it. Post it on your story. Use the hashtag UberedPodcast. I'm going to remind everybody that I'm doing a Q&A in the final episode, which will be airing sometime this spring. So send your questions to me, ask me anything, and I mean anything. All right, so let's get into it here. So when I was a driver, one of the one of the first things that people would ask me when they wanted to talk was, so how long have you been doing this? And it drove me nuts to say it, but the longer that it would go on, obviously, the higher the answer would go. So after about a year and a half, you know, I'd say, oh, a year and a half, two years, three years, yada, yada. After I would, after I would say that it had been that long, people would just say, oh, well, you must really like it then. And I would, like... That would drive me nuts because it's like, no, I'm a dumbass and I kind of got trapped in this and uh, my business plan isn't working out and I can't just get rid of this car, so I'm stuck doing this. I mean, not really. I wouldn't actually say that. I would just kind of say, I sure do, or like something really sarcastic. But although, you know, I complain and complain and complain about it and I did it for so long, the reality is I did not hate every minute of it. I actually, I did enjoy it when it hit. See, when it hit, it was great, but when it missed, it was like a trip to hell pretty much, whether it be the person or the situation, you know, if I just blew a tire and I have to now shell out $300 that I wasn't expecting when I'm already paying for last week's uh, valve that blew in my engine, that kind of stuff just drove me nuts about it or, you know, answering the same repetitive questions. But sometimes it was, when it was entertaining, it was so goddamn ridiculously entertaining. It was like an addictive drug. I would drop the person off after having this wild encounter and I would think to myself, okay, next, I need another story. I'm, you know, it's like, once you, once you get a taste for the excitement of the life, when, when you sample that taste again, you love it. You just love it. So for this story, or I should say for this episode, this is called Intrigue. This is all the stuff that was just, I would hear it or I would see it. Something would happen and it was just fucking interesting. Now, if you look at a map of all of the trips that I took, you put both books together, it's like... Well, I say I say I did 8,000 trips. I did like probably did like 7,900, like around 8,000. I don't have the exact number. But okay, so of these 8,000 or so trips, I have about 500 stories that I have collected where something noteworthy happened and it was worth an entry in my diary. So 500 out of 8,000 is roughly 1 in 20, right? So 1 in 20 trips Something interesting happens. 19 and 20 trips, it's like watching paint dry. It's exceptionally boring. Nothing interesting happens. I'm either answering the same questions or I'm driving in circles or, you know, best case scenario, the only thing that happens or the only interesting thing that happens is something goes wrong with my car. The best case scenario there is I salvage some kind of comical irony from that. But there were times in these 1 in 20 trips where I would either learn something or I would see something like... Just something so interesting would happen. I would come home and I'd want to tell my roommates. Like, I'd want to wake them up and tell them about it because it was so, so interesting. So we'll dive into it here with this intrigue chapter. 
The first story I want to talk about is called Dead Tons, and it happened on my first year of driving rideshare. Most of these interesting stories, they tended to happen late at night, like, you know, most of my stories did. But this one happened in the middle of the day. It's rush hour, I'm in downtown Minneapolis, and I pull up outside of a hotel, and I'm waiting for a passenger named Schwartz. Now, I could usually guess the ethnicity to some degree of a passenger based on their name, like, for example, a Mohammed. It's probably Somalian, because we're in Minneapolis where there's a high concentration of uh, Somalian refugees. But Schwartz is a little hard to place. So out of the hotel comes this big, tall, blonde guy walking with this, like, five-foot-two, pale-skinned, patchy, black-haired sidekick, we'll call him. Because, like, I mean, they were walking together like this is, like, the little guy was the assistant. So the little guy gets the bags, loads them up, and they get in the back seat. Just, it immediately struck me as a very curious-looking pair. Because, like, the two of them just did not look like they belonged together at all. But they get in the car, and they're speaking a foreign language. They don't even say anything to me. And they're not going very far. They're going to another hotel downtown. And as we're driving, my God, I can't figure out what the fuck this language is. I have a decent ear for language. Here's the vivid description that I use in the book of what I thought I was hearing. It was unlike any tongue I'd ever heard. Imagine if Russian, French, Latin, and Chinese all had an orgy, come dumped in one disgusting white pile, and then spawned a baby out of the mix. That's essentially what I was hearing. But these two, like... They look like they were fucking villains from the movie Die Hard, okay? Something weird was going on here. I don't know. You be the judge, but it was an interesting story. However, certainly not as interesting as this next one. So I have, uh, I have an overactive imagination. You know, I've written, I don't know, many fucking screenplays, at least 20. I'm always thinking of new creative ideas, and I always have wanted to be a storyteller since I was young. So my mind is kind of programmed to just naturally be as creative as possible. Sometimes when I would have mysterious encounters with people, I would like to try and fill in the pieces on my own, or I would create elaborate backstories as to what happened. And usually, like, there's no fucking way they were true, of course. It's just something I pulled out of my ass to amuse myself. But in this case, it wasn't true. I would have heard the headlines if this was true, if this was what had actually happened. But I had this bizarre encounter with this guy, and it, it cued me to invent a very colorful backstory. It's trip 4,494. It's called The Man Who Snapped. It was middle of the summer, and it was middle of the day. And I was in Roseville, which, as I've said so many times before on this podcast, like, one of those spots where you don't want to end up because chances are a passenger is only going further out into Yehuppetsville. It's a fun term that my parents like to use describing obscure cities. Yehuppetsville. Oh, out in Yehuppetsville where God lost his sandals. That's another one. God, I sound so Minnesotan saying that, too. Okay. I'm getting slightly distracted here. So, pick this guy up, Roseville. Now, it's a Lyft ride, and again, as I've said on this podcast, Lyft allowed you uh, to upload a profile photo so that a driver knows what you look like. Uber didn't let you do that. So, the photo I'm looking at on Lyft, this guy is rated 4.9 stars, and it's a family man. Two little kids and a wife, and they're on a beach somewhere. It looks like a magical photo. So, normally, I may have passed on a ride like this because, like, it's like six miles away from where I was, and like in all likelihood, it was just going to be a bum ride. But the guy had a good rating, and on top of that, I'm looking at this photo. Family men generally tipped. I don't know what it was, but it was a kind of passenger I wanted to have in my car. Because not only am I getting those dead miles reimbursed, you know, I'm trying to hit a dollar a mile. So if somebody tips me $5, that'll make up for the five miles I had to drive to go pick them up. Not only are they generally tippers... But they're also just the most well-behaved tier of passengers. So if I don't want anything exciting going on, I just want to drive you and get paid. That's what I'm looking for as a family man. So I'm driving to pick this guy up, and I pull up into this. It's a, like, a, like a normal house, like a nice house, and like a, like a quiet neighborhood in Roseville. Roseville is kind of a newer suburb. It's, it's next to St. Paul in Minneapolis. 
you know, 20 years ago, it might have been some farmland. It was, I don't want to call it rural. It was developing. But now there's like, I mean, they have the Rosedale Mall. They've got movie theaters. They've got all kinds of like nice things. There's like new luxury apartments being built up. It's definitely a closer suburb to the metro or to like Minneapolis and St. Paul than like, say, Blaine, which is way the fuck out. That's you Huppetsville right there, Blaine. Anyway, so I'm driving to this like nice house and I pull up in the driveway and a couple minutes go by and I text. There's no response. The guy's name is David. And I call and this this very disgruntled, very tired sounding voice answer. Hello? Like, hi, David, this is Evan with Lyft. I'm in your driveway. Uh, okay, I'll be right there. And he hangs up. Okay, that was, that was not the voice I was expecting to answer the phone, but okay. While I'm waiting and the door, the garage door opens up and standing before me is a shadow of the man in the photo. What the fuck happened between the time this photo was taken and the guy getting into my car like right now, I could only speculate. But this guy is unshaven. He looks like hell. He's dressed like hell. Does not look like a family man. Comes stumbling into the car. He's clearly intoxicated on something. He falls into the front passenger seat, and I start the trip, and he's going to the liquor store. And he doesn't say anything to me as we start driving. So he's going to the liquor store like three miles away. So I'm thinking, okay, there, and I bet he's going to want me to take him home too. So there and back, six miles is the middle of the day. I drove five miles to go pick him up, and I'm going to probably earn about six bucks for doing this, and it's going to eat up half an hour of my time. So unless he tips, I should have skipped this trip. This wasn't worth it. So I'm driving with him, and it's again, it's rush hour, and this guy's like not talking to me. But as we're driving, I notice he stinks to hell of cleaning products. Like, he smells of bleach and lemon pledge, and it's like, I'm thinking, like, why does he smell like this? And why is he acting like this? What happened to this family man? And then I introduced the idea that perhaps he killed his family, and he has just finished covering up their murder and that's why this guy is such a fucking train wreck, because the man mentally snapped. So he randomly, he turns and he says, you're a, you're a good driver. Just like, I don't know where we're sitting in traffic. I don't know. Nothing has happened. Like, I didn't do anything to, to demonstrate my ability that, yes, indeed, I am a good driver. But, like, it was just a totally random compliment. It was the first thing he said to me. So we get to the liquor store, and I say, would you like me to wait? And he just says, mm. Stumbles out of the car. Goes in the liquor store for five minutes, comes back out with a six-pack, and, you know, I, I just don't say a word to him. I just put the car in reverse, pull out of the parking lot, drive away. And on the highway, I decide I'll say a few words to him. So I ask, well, what do you got planned for the evening? He goes, relax, unwind, I'm free. I fucking swear to God, he said I'm free. It was the most cryptic and strange thing that, to me, cued that, yes, indeed, he had killed his family and snapped, so... I take him home, and he, he's quiet the whole ride home. Fishes out his wallet when we get in the driveway. Takes him, like, a good 60 seconds to amass the motor skills, to stick his hand in his pocket, take out his wallet, unfold it, and extract a $5 bill. Hands it to me, says, thank you. And crawls out of the car with the six-pack, stumbles into the house, disappears. That's it. So, he didn't smell a booze. He had to have been on, like, painkillers or something. And, I don't know. The whole thing was just fucking weird. So, again, my theory is that this is a family man who snapped and killed his family and was celebrating with a six-pack and some painkillers or something because it was just utterly, utterly bizarre. And, you know, now that I'm looking at the rest of these stories, I shouldn't even call this episode intrigue. I should call this episode bizarre because most of these are just fucking weird. They're not scary. They're not creepy. They're just weird.
Well, okay, maybe this next story is a little creepy. This is trip 4,280. It's called Strange Animosity. So when I was recapping the story in the weeks afterward and I was trying to explain it to passengers, I found just explaining it was extremely difficult because, like, there's so much open to interpretation here, but I don't think that I'm making this up. Like, I believe that just something so strange was going on. So it's a Sunday night, it's kind of late, and I pick up, the name is X, right? There's no name, just the name, there's the letter X, and it's five stars, it's clearly a brand new account. And I roll up to this, like, suburban house, it's the winter, it's super cold, and, like, it's like a quiet neighborhood in one of the northern suburbs. And so I pull up to this house, and I'm waiting. The house that I am that I have arrived at, the address, the residence itself, all the lights are off. Looks like no one's home. So, you know, usually, like, if it's somebody preparing to leave for the evening, like, there's one light on in the entryway, and, like, you know, obviously the light shuts off, and the person steps out. There's no lights on. I'm looking at this house kind of weird. Like, maybe they put in the wrong address or something. And as I'm, like, comparing my phone against the address, I hear the back door open up. And I turn, and I look back, because I didn't see anybody approaching the car. This person just kind of snuck up on me. And this young, not young, maybe 19, 20-year-old Somalian kid gets in the back seat wearing all black, and he's looking at me with the most intent, pissed-off look I've seen in quite a while. It was such an unnerving glare. I was kind of startled when he got into the car because it was like, just like immediately he's got some animosity toward me. So, oh, hi there. I didn't see you sneak up on me. And I start the trip, and I, I turn to him. I say, so your ex, like, you know, making a joke out of it. And I'm smiling, and I turn, and I look back at him again. And his scowl hasn't changed. He's still just fucking frowning at me. So I'm like, uh, okay. All right, well, it says here we're going just a mile and a half north, looks like. So away we go. And I start driving. And I'm looking. I get the feeling. Like, you know that feeling you get when you're being watched? I'm getting this feeling. Like, I, I can tell this kid is staring at me. And I look into my rearview mirror as we pass under a street light, like, because, you know, the cabin is dark because it's light. But as soon as we pass under a light, the whole car gets illuminated. And so as we pass under a street light, I, I look at him. And indeed, he's staring at the back of my head. And so now my mind is playing scenarios. And admittedly, I am high. So I'm a little paranoid and maybe getting a little creative with what I think is going on. But, okay, here are the clues. Odd house. Like, uh, you know, the pickup itself is weird. There should have been some lights on in this house. That was strange. He snuck up on my car. That was strange. The time of day is a little odd because it's like 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. It's just like a weird time of night and on top of that his name is x and it's a brand new account so what i'm thinking might be going on is perhaps i'm about to get robbed perhaps he has set up a fake account and all of this is a ruse just to rob me because like i've seen his face but like he's wearing all fucking black and it just i'm not liking what's going on here so as we're driving his his glare is fixed on me he is not looking at anything else he's clearly looking at me and i'm trying to think like Okay, like, is he about to pull out a gun? Does he just not like me? Why doesn't he like me to this degree? I have only greeted him. This is the only exchange that we've had. What the fuck is going on here? So I, I keep driving, and indeed, his, his head doesn't turn at all. He just keeps staring at me, and it's to the point where I think, like, okay, if he does pull out a knife or a gun, I'm going to just slam on my brakes. He's not wearing a seatbelt. Maybe if I can drive us off the road, I can shoot him through the windshield or something. Or, fuck, maybe I'll just tuck and roll. I don't know. But I'm like, I am inching and preparing to do something. I did keep a knife on me. I didn't keep a gun, but I kept a knife in my cubby and I like kind of discreetly reached over and fished the knife into my pocket. And I'm just waiting and I'm waiting. 
Well, we arrive at the residence at another house where all the lights are off. And now I'm thinking like, okay, this is where he's going to make us move. So I decide I'm going to play ignorant to all of this and just be the cheery Uber driver and hopefully diffuse all of this with my ignorance. So I turn to him with a smile and say, well, here we are. And I look at him and he's just staring at me. He looks so pissed off. And we just lock eyes and he stares at me for about 10 seconds. And I stare at him. And then he just quietly reaches over, grabs the door, opens it. He's still looking at me, not breaking eye contact with me. And he delicately removes himself from the car, still glaring, shuts the door, and goes like trotting through the snowy yard and disappears around the back of this house. And as I look at the house now, I see one of the rooms, there is a light on that I hadn't noticed. And I hadn't noticed it because there were blinds covering it. But I can see there's the blinds are being pulled back. And there are numerous faces peering through the blinds, like, looking. So either this was an elaborate joke and, like, this kid texted, like, his friends being like, hey, I'm about to mess with my Uber driver, something crazy, make him think I'm, like, going to rob him or something like that. And they were all in on this and they were watching to see. Or, like, I don't know. I guess I don't know what else it could have been. But it was so fucking bizarre. And I'm not, like, you know, you see, just me, me telling you this right now, I can't even properly convey to you how strange it was because you might be hearing this and thinking like, oh, Evan, you're just being silly. Like, no, this you should have seen this kid's look. Either he's the best fucking actor in Minneapolis or he actually wanted to kill me. I know a look like that when I see it. And that dude did not like me at all. And I fucking don't know what I did or why he was this intense when he got in the car. But this next trip, I do know what happened. It was pretty clear and it was... Very amusing and just kind of one of those things where I have thought about it so often afterwards and I have told this story to other people and like, you know, people want to know the craziest story or like some crazy thing you saw or something like that because this was so... Okay, well, here's the story. I'll, I'll stop talking it up and I'll just tell it. It's trip 3829. It's called Passport. So it's a similar setting to the scene I have just described where it's late on a Sunday night and I'm in one of the northern suburbs and I'm picking up a passenger who's rated five stars. Now, they, they weren't named X. They had a normal name. It was like Pat or something like that. So I arrive at this house, and I'm waiting for the person to come out. And there's like a house party going on. Like I can see there's a lot of people in this house. And there's some shouting at the door, and this dude comes to the door, and he screams a bunch of shit into the house and just slams the door and comes marching out to the car. I'm thinking, like, oh, great. This guy's probably at this party, and he's probably going to be drunk and mad because he just got into a fight or something. Like I can tell by his body language the way he's marching up to the car that something bad has just happened. So the door comes flying open, and he gets in the car, and he doesn't say anything to me. I just start the trip, and he's going south to a bar that I've never heard of called Palace. So a little strange that I'm going to a location that I've never heard of because this is like when I have been doing Uber for a while. Well, we're driving, and he whips out his phone, and the car stinks, and he starts changing in the back seat. Now, this is a thing where basically you're a locker room rider. You're treating my car like a locker room where... You just start changing in the car. This is the thing that people do sometimes. So this dude, he like he smells so bad. He smells like something I don't know and cigarettes and like whiskey or something like that. It's like alcohol, cigarettes, and some mysterious gross odor. Well, as he's taking off his shirt, his sweatshirt, he's got a black sweatshirt on. I noticed there's like a, like a nasty stain on it, like standing out against the black. And so he folds it up and like throws it in a bag and he whips out a, like a fresh shirt from the bag and puts it on. And he whips out his phone, and he starts complaining to this person on the phone. I think it was somebody at this party. So I get a rundown just through secondhand conversation of what happened. Basically, he was taking care of some girl at the party, 
And this girl just, like, puked all over him. And he got so mad at her. I guess they had had, like, maybe it was his girlfriend or something like that. They had had a fight. And then she got sick from the alcohol. And then he started puke. Then he started taking care of her and she puked on him. So he's left in a rage. So he yelled. He's, like, yelling on his phone to this other person at the party. Like, you know what? I don't want to see that bitch again. Fuck her. Hangs up. And he just exhales loudly. But he hasn't said a word to me. And then he whips out his phone again. And he changes the tone of his voice, and he goes, yo, man, those passports ready? All right. All right, my crew needs them by 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, 3. Okay, 1,500? Yeah. So, like, he has gone in the span of less than 60 seconds from, like, some college drama type shit, cleaning up, you know, taking care of a girl, got puke on him, leaves this, like, part, like, this drunken frat party or whatever. And now he's on the phone, he's buying a fucking fake passport. How do how do we raise the bar this quickly? He's gone from college drama to a felony in my back seat with just a phone call. So it's like very cryptic on the phone. Finishes the deal after about 40 seconds on the phone, hangs up, and then he turns to me and he says, "So how's your night going?" And I'm thinking like, "What? What? Are you fucking kidding me?" So just like that, he starts trying to make small talk with me, and it's like, "Dude, I just heard you commit a felony." Well, we pull up to this bar, and this bar that he's trying to go to doesn't even exist. So we have to make circles around Northeast Minneapolis as this guy is continuously making small talk with me. Finally, I drop him off at, like, the right place, or I drop him off at a place, and he gets out with his puke-covered shirt. Again, so bizarre. That's why this episode is called Intrigue. Sometimes the most intriguing stuff wasn't happening in the back seat. It was stuff that you would see on the road driving around. So, like, for example, I once saw I'm waiting in a trailer park in, like, the northernmost suburbs. It's, like, 1.30 in the morning, and as I'm waiting for this passenger... I see some movement because, like, I'm looking down on my phone and I look up. It's a person dressed up as Heath Ledger's Joker. Makeup, costume, everything. And they are walking a tiny little dog. And they walk, like, they're walking right toward my car. And at first I think it is my passenger. And then I think it's, like, maybe somebody's, like, about to rob me. But this person, they just walk right past my car. They don't even look at me. They just walk right past and they continue on their walk walking their dog dressed up as the Joker at 1.30 in the morning. I have seen a ghost. I'm going to save that for scary. I do have a ghost story. But one of my favorite things that I have ever seen, it's a very long story, and I'm not going to tell the whole thing. I'm going to just tell the last snippet of it. So in Uber 2, one thing I started doing that was different from Uber 1 was I would write, I would have these nights where I called them marathon nights, where I'd be out driving all night and like, Thing after thing after thing after thing would happen. And I couldn't possibly make just one story or like one book entry from the whole night. I would I would write about the entire night. So this was called Hell of a Night. And I had this is one of those days where like I drove like the entire day. The day started at like noon and I had been out with friends the previous night. So I gave my friends a ride home and I was super hungover. So like I smoked a bunch of weed and then I'm like I'm driving around giving rides and I had like I had really bad luck with rides that day. So I ended up in the way, way, way far suburbs, like almost at the Wisconsin border. Turned around, drove back, took a nap, went back out that night. Uh, there was a dude that I was trying to meet up with on Grinder, and so I, I got frustrated with my passengers, and he was way the fuck out. I paired with him earlier in that day when I was out in those far suburbs. I whipped out Grinder because I was sitting on my phone and I had nothing to do, so I decided to look for Dick. So I went and met up with him. He was in the suburb of White Bear Lake like later that night, and... Well, I had fun with him in my car. Only time I've ever hooked up in my car, interestingly. Uh, but then I gave rides afterward because I'm a bastard. And <laughs> the fact that my seats had just been... Never mind. I'll stop right there. So I pick some people up, and I'm driving. I'm heading back 
to the cities and it's very late now. It's like almost bar close and it's around Christmas time. Well, I'm driving back, like trying to catch the bar close rush in downtown Minneapolis because it's Christmas and the holidays, people will be out and about. You know, it's almost kind of like every night in the days before Christmas is kind of like a weekend night because there's so many people that are out and about. There's surge prices like there would be on a weekend or there are usually. But I'm out. I'm on 94. I'm between Minneapolis and St. Paul. And like I said, it's so late and I'm driving pretty fast. Well, I look in my left-hand mirror and I see this SUV flying up in the left lane. And it's like, it's got to be doing at least 100 miles an hour. And it's got a headlight out. So I get a lane over. So I get in the far right lane just in case, you know, driving this fast, this guy's reckless. This SUV whips past me so fast. It was going, I, my initial estimate was 100. It had to have been over 100. But as it went past, I noticed it was riddled in bullet holes. So I thought to myself, do I want to follow this and see what's going on and play with fire and have something awesome to write about maybe? And as I'm thinking about stepping on it and following, I see like a sea of red and blue light from behind. So I pull over and it's like a fucking armada of police chasing after this SUV. Fast forward an hour later, I was heading back the opposite direction, dropping a passenger off in St. Paul. They had the entire highway blocked off. So I I checked the news the next day. I don't know what happened, if that car crashed or what the deal was. But I saw one hell of a car chase. But usually being in Minnesota, you just you don't see that much exciting stuff. Usually the most exciting thing that's going on, the most interesting that's going on is what's going on in my back seat. I met and interacted with, oh God, at least 30,000 people. So among 30,000 people, you can imagine I met some oddballs, some weirdos, some people working interesting jobs, some people that had some weird life experiences, some people that had some weird things to say. I had this one woman, I will discuss this in another story, but she basically started, she told me that she had lived in Florida, and then she randomly started telling me about all the different ways you can dispose of a body in Florida. Unsolicited, this woman starts telling me about this. I never drove anyone famous, but one time, I mean, I really wondered, it was one of my very, very first rides. The trip is called South Korean Mogul's Son. I picked up this young Korean guy at the airport, and he was going, not even like a young guy, he was like 19 probably. And I could, he was blinged out. I could tell he came from money, and he had a lot of suitcases with him. But he was going from the airport to the University of Minnesota campus, and he spoke perfect English. And he was telling me he was a foreign exchange student, and we started talking about cars randomly because he was asking about my BMW. And he remarks, I love cars. My father collects them. He got me into it. Here, I'll show you his collection. And he whips out his phone, and he shows it to me. And this guy, like, this guy doesn't collect cars. My God, this guy's like a fucking car maker, practically. He shows me a photo of a warehouse full of like the rarest cars I've ever seen. It had to have been, oh, easily a $50 million car collection, like at least. But he's talking about it like it's no big deal. So he's showing me like all these different cars and I'm I'm trying not to, to give a visual reaction, but like my jaw is just dropping further and further as I'm swiping, looking at all these fabulous cars. But yeah, interesting that he was just very modest about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, my dad's got a few cars. By a few, I mean an entire fleet. I never did ask who he was or like what the deal was, but so you would meet these people who come from these different walks of life and it was always so interesting or they would like, they would have these weird jobs that were cool. I mentioned I drove an Arctic cartographer who described the Arctic to me and I've never met anyone who's been to the Arctic. I drove an individual who worked at a sanitation plant and cued me into where your poop goes. I'm not even gonna get into that one. But the thing was, If I wanted to know something, and I'm going to get into this more in a further episode, it's like six degrees of separation. Whatever I wanted to know, because Minneapolis and St. Paul, despite the fact that they are giant cities, there's kind of a small town feel to them. So if I probed passengers and I wanted to know about something, chances are I could 
I could find out about whatever I wanted to know about just by simply surveying the populace that I was driving. Or, you know, something might be going on in the news, and then whatever's going on in the news, I would hear about in my backseat from people that were directly involved, whether or not I solicited them. In one instance, and i got to choose my words very carefully here because I do not want to get subpoenaed, there is a big case that is going on here, um, and it's regarding—you know, I'm not even going to say what it's regarded. There's a big case going on, and before, like, when it happened, it was making national news here. And before details were released to the public, I drove uh, somebody on the prosecuting team. I drove their kid. Like, the kid was like 18 or 19. But he was drunk, and he had a friend in the back seat. And this kid ran his mouth about every detail on the case that was not yet known to the public. And, like, you know, his mom should not have told him any of this. So just in listening to this in my back seat... I knew more than the public did, and shit, I could have gone on Twitter and, and done all kinds of damage by spilling the beans there, but uh, I did not do that because I do not want to hurl myself in the middle of a giant investigation. One more thing that I'd like to touch on quickly, and I don't even have a specific story because this would entail going through people's luggage or their baggage, but and I, I thought of this between rides when I was smoking pot, and the day that I thought of this, I actually said out loud, I go, whoa, and the thought stuck with me all day, and it stuck with me for years. I wonder what I drove without my knowledge, like, of all the baggage and all the shit that people loaded into my car. I, I'm sure I transported some, like, extreme drugs or weapons or something at some point. Not like, not like rifles and rifles. I mean, like, I bet somebody had, like, a really big gun that, you know, may have not been legal in their bag when they were loading it into my car. Or, you know, somebody, I've mentioned that I've driven, I for sure drove drug dealers. They get in with a backpack. They make five stops. The backpack gets lighter on every stop. On the last stop, the backpack is empty. They tip me well in cash, and they get out, like, someplace totally random. It's a fucking drug dealer. It's got to be. So I wonder, you know, those are the ones that I could catch on to. I wonder who is transporting shit where I didn't catch on to them. I had no idea. Just, it was very unsettling once I thought of that and to still think about today. Like, just imagining what what went in and out of my trunk besides a bunch of junk. All right, two more stories, and we'll call this episode a wrap. So the first one, it's called hyperventilation. It happened during my first year of doing rideshare, and it was just like, like passengers are just fucking weird sometimes, and it was so, so bizarre. And like, I never was able to ask what was going on. They would just exhibit this so strange behavior. So in this example, it's rush hour. It's the middle of the day. It's raining. It's in the spring, and I pick up this young girl. She's got a backpack, umbrella. She she looked like a student, and she's like twenty one or twenty two. And we're sitting in, like, standstill traffic, and she's in the car for about maybe three or four minutes. And suddenly I hear her breathing. And it's not like, you know, not like that. It's like, she starts, like, hyperventilating. And, like, you know, at first I kind of glance back, like, very incidentally. I think maybe, like, I'm just, like, it's my mesophonia or something. Like, I'm just detecting her breathing all of a sudden. Because sometimes somebody can go from not bothering me to bothering me, and I don't, I can't explain it. So I look back at her, but no, it's not my imagination. She is actually, like, breathing, like, really, like, loudly. Like, she's hyperventilating. So I go from looking at her in my rearview mirror to turning and looking at her, and it's like her eyes are darting around, and she's, like, having a fucking panic attack or something. But she's not said anything to me. She wasn't really looking at her phone. Like, she didn't get a message. Like, she didn't get any kind of piece of news that would set her off. Just out of nowhere, she just starts flipping out of my back seat. But she, she doesn't say anything. She's just breathing really fast and looking around like like she's having a heart attack. 
And so just as I say, are you okay? She just goes, I'm so sorry. And she undoes her seatbelt and the door flies open and she just goes scurrying off into the rain. Doesn't close the door. Like just jumps out of the car and runs away. So I have, I have no fucking idea what happened. This final story to cap it off is not bizarre. It's just really interesting. It's trip 6,197 and it's called In a Flash. It's the middle of the day and I pick up a guy named John outside of a tea shop in Minneapolis. And this guy walking toward my car looked like he was cut right out of a U.S. Army magazine. Like broad shoulders, shaved hair, perfect posture. I say to myself, oh yeah, this guy's military. I decide I'm going to see if I can put it to the test and get him to, you know, without without asking, see if I can detect if he is. So he gets in the car, I go, hey John, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? Good. What do you got planned for the day? He goes, well, I'm meeting up with my girlfriend at 1800. And like, as soon as he used military time, I think to myself, oh, bingo, there it is. So I asked, I go, are you military? And he's like, yeah, how'd you know? And I just start laughing and I cued him that, hey, I've been a driver for a long time. I'm good at reading people and I'm especially good at reading you because you look like you were taken right out of the movie Platoon. But we start talking for a little bit and he's interested now that he knows that I'm a full-time driver. And so he asks a little bit about me and I tell him about my books. And the only reason I told him, every military person I've ever known likes to read. And if I thought there is a half-decent chance I could sell you a copy of my book, I would I would tell you about it. Usually I just didn't tell people about it. It was like telling people they were on a reality show. It ruined the element of surprise. Or sometimes it led to some ugly interactions. People would be very standoffish. Like, oh, how many copies have you sold? And at the time I hadn't sold very many. So I didn't want to I didn't want to invite that line of questioning because that was embarrassing. Just embarrassing. Anyway, so. And you said you're in the military. Got any good stories for me? And he goes, well, I actually do have one. Okay, I'm all ears. So John says, this was years ago. I was in thick traffic on the Afghanistan-Pakistan border. The region is called Jalalabad. I'm in a convoy with the rest of the platoon and some FBI agents. The convoy passed by this white truck. I looked as we went by, and I could see the driver was ducking down. Well, that and a camera flash is basically the last thing I saw. The truck was loaded with explosives and detonated right as we went by. And I'm like, holy shit, you know. He said he had a war story. I didn't I didn't think he was going to share anything like this. So I look him up and down to see if he's injured. And like, he looked fine. He didn't look like he had narrowly survived a suicide blast. So John says, my vehicle got disabled from the blast and the gunner's brain got seriously jumbled. I was looking in the perfect direction when it happened and I managed to avoid injury by a hair. But once you realize what's going on, your body kicks in adrenaline. It's probably how I remember it so well after being jumbled like that. I just calmly took off my headphones and hung them up like it was any other event. So I ask, was that it? And he goes, no, we were sitting ducks on the highway. These things don't just happen as one event, you see. The explosion is usually just the start. I got out of the wreck and I'll never forget all that smoke, bloody survivors covered in dust, running, screaming. The worst, though, were all the sandals laying everywhere. And the sandals being knocked off the feet of all the people they killed in the explosion. So I ask him, how'd he get out? And he goes, a pair of Apache helicopters flew in, circled before landing and just laying down gunfire. But in the moments after the attack, it was better than any kind of drug, all that adrenaline. It's incredible what the body does in times of need. Eleven died from the blast and another dozen more were wounded. So I asked him, I got you still on active duty? To which I have been asked not to share any further information. So, I mean, not like not only was the story wild and ridiculous and like I had never heard a war story from any passenger, let alone the fact that like he did share the story with me, which is so cool all in and of itself, because like if you're a combat veteran, you don't want to 
share the shit with your Uber driver. So that he opened up to me like that was so cool. So after this story, I sat with John for about half an hour and we just chatted. We talked, we talked, we talked. I got his whole life planned, what he wants to do. I told him all about my like. This guy was really cool, and I have never sat and talked with a passenger for this long afterward. And I took down his email information, I gave him my info, and he is the only person who I have sought out permission after the ride to publish their story. I sent him the story I wrote, I let him clean it up so that he couldn't get in any kind of trouble, because like, he wanted to stay anonymous, he wanted his name changed. But what a cool guy, and what an amazing story. You know, being an Uber driver, it's not worth it for the money you make. But where it is worth it is for the human connection. Being able to meet people like this, hear these stories, it really forms a great impression on probably anyone. But with that, listeners, this has been the Bizarrely Intriguing. I'm Evan Kale. I've got three books out. Ubered My Life as a Rideshare Driver, Ubered 2, and Wolf in the Jungle. They're all available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. And if you live in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area, you can get all of my books at the Hennepin County Library. I'm going to remind everybody that I am doing a Q&A for the final episode, which will be coming up this spring. Tweet your questions at me or use the hashtag UberedPodcast. Please be sure to leave a review for this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever it is you're listening to this on. It means a lot to me. And subscribe. The show ain't done yet, and there will be more episodes every Wednesday. Listeners, you have been Ubered. I'm Evan Kale. Signing off.